Hey, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jennifer. And together we're doing a podcast, Roots. The Unseen Life. Come on a journey with us. You'll produce a system of roots that will stabilize you and... Produce fruit. We're going somewhere. Come along with us. Well, hey, 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 welcome to the podcast, Changing the World, one podcast at a time. That's right. The podcast name is Roots, The Unseen Life, and it's going to rock your world, right, Dwayne? That's right. And so uh, those of you watching on it, YouTube, you're going to notice I'm pretty proud of my new hat. Um, just, <laughs> got in, just got it in the mail today. Um, when you're bald and you like to be a little bit creative, it's an incredible challenge. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. You know, when you got hair, you just you know different cut a little shorter a little longer right but um i haven't had that advantage for about 20 years well it's hat day today apparently seriously so, well oh okay yeah, yeah okay for the <laughs> my my husband's a moron for those of you not watching i'm wearing a hat and he's wearing a hat i say it's hat day he doesn't get it um honey i'm wearing a hat no, it's international hat day international hat day we've just coined that and you talk about being bald and wearing a hat i'm wearing a hat because my hair's dirty Fair so enough. let's just be honest, We're I'm the hiding page. the grease beneath the cap. Hey, and so as you guys know, we often have a guest, and uh, I'm actually really excited about um, our guest today. As See, opposed to our other guests? Some of them have been a disappointment. I don't <laughs> think this guy will be, though. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm, I'm joking, but uh, it's Jonathan Weald, and so he's uh, we met him um, here at Upper Room Denver, and uh, I just have great respect for him. And so uh, I want to, I'm going to ask him to introduce himself. So welcome, welcome, my friend. Thank you hey, so Jonathan. much. Thanks for having me. Sorry I wasn't oh. wearing a hat. I apparently missed the memo. <laughs> yeah, you did exactly. miss the memo. But you've got a full head of hair. So yeah, according I, to us, you got a hat. Yeah, exactly. That's good. <laughs> it may be a little greasy, though. So sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. We got you covered. Hey, and so uh, just tell us, I mean, um, I don't know if you caught it yet, but he has a an amazing accent. I truly wish I had your accent because I feel like as a preacher, you sound more anointed. Oh, you sound yeah. way more intelligent. <laughs> yeah, intelligent as well. So give us a little bit on uh, who you are and where you're from. Yeah, I mean, my accent's often a great debate. Most people think I'm Australian. I'm not. I'm uh -huh. British. Come on, I have church. been here almost 15 years, uh, originally wow. from Southampton in the UK. And yeah, I, I'm thankful for the accent now. I'll tell you what, when I first moved to America in 2008 though, I wanted to hide because everybody wanted to talk to me and they'd be like, hey, can you say this word? Seriously? Was, okay. Oh yeah. So you're so, the little international toy. Oh yeah, for sure. That was a good, good little while there, but now I appreciate it. It does make it easier when I'm preaching because if they don't like my content, at least they enjoy hearing my voice. So. <laughs> That's a really good point. You know, side bit of trivia, Jonathan. When Dwayne lived in Zimbabwe when he was a little boy, he went to a British school. And oh, yeah. so when he moved back to Canada, he had a British accent and had to ditch it really quick because he they I mean, didn't appreciate I mean, the accent. I, I went from kind of yeah. all the I went from the plane to like a church summer camp. You know, oh, wow. and it, we got back in the summer, and it was I, it it was horrible. I you know I couldn't bear it. So, but enough about me. Hey, when? <laughs> so you came to the states when? Two thousand eight. But how old were you? Two thousand eight. How old were you? I was uh, I was nineteen years old. Yeah, I I thought I was just coming for six months. Okay. Uh, so I'm thirty two now. I haven't gone back and have no intention to. Yet wow, you're here okay. legally, correct? <laughs> I am. I'm legal. I'm a U.S. citizen now. They can't get rid of me. There you go. And so you went and so you went to Morningstar? I did, yeah. I, I was a new Christian and had read the final quest and Torch and the Sword and was it it opened up a new world for me. Wow. Uh, and so after reading it, I was like, I really wanted to come and learn from Rick. And so I, I heard there was a ministry school, was not familiar with how that worked, and so I applied online and got in and yeah, what was just supposed to be one year, and uh, yeah, that was a long time ago now. And then you went from there, uh, worked for Lance Wallnow for. It was, did you go directly work with him? I did. It was it was interesting. I'll give you a, a quick story there. So yeah. Lance would come in and teach each year at the ministry school. So again, I didn't know I didn't know who IHOP was, didn't know who Bethel was. I was brand new to all of this stuff, and uh, I sat in ministry school. And kind of around this topic, I, I had decided, you know, money's evil. Uh, business is just for the purpose of funding the church and missions. And yep. so if I wanted to serve God, I need to, you know, be a pastor. That's that's my my new trajectory. 
And Lance came in and shared this profound revelation around influencing culture. And he, he gave this analogy. He said, you know, in the church, we've taught, if you're in business, you write the check, you sit in coach class and you hand the check down the first class to the preachers and teachers. <laughs> and they're the ones that do the real work of the ministry. And he was like, if anything else, it's the opposite because the pastors, teachers, preachers equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so I went up to him afterwards and I was like, you're telling me I can serve God and be in business. And he was like, yes. And that was, that was a good day for me because I always wanted to be a business owner. So it was nice to know I didn't have to rebel in, in starting businesses. No, absolutely. And so how long did you work with him? So I traveled with him for about three years uh, until I met my wife until I married my wife. Uh, turns out traveling 300 days a year is not conducive for your first year of marriage. So I had to, had to leave that job. <laughs> I mean, 300 days a year, that's insanity. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah, my, my first year was 312 days on the road. It was crazy. Yeah, that well, is crazy. Well, at least you had status, correct? Yeah, I did. Exactly. A lot of miles. Exactly platinum at 21 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. Sometimes. <laughs> And then, and then that's is, that's where you found uh, Upper Room Dallas, right? With it was, yes, yeah, so, yeah. It was 2010. I'd i moved to Dallas. I didn't know anybody in the state of Texas, and uh, just had a mutual friend, a uh, guy called Hans or Michael Miller, and uh, so I met him for coffee. He told me about this small. I, I don't think he even called it a church back then. Prayer group of 20 people that were meeting and. So I walked in one Sunday evening down in Dallas and I, I walked through the threshold of the door and it was like I'd come home. I just had this feeling and I was like, oh, come this on. is my tribe. This is my people. Wow. And so I've been, awesome. been a part of it ever since. Yeah. That's and amazing. then so how long and then you you came up. We won't go into the whole story, but you came up with a crew here in Denver. How long ago was that? Just over seven years. It was January 2014. So we just hit seven years uh, wow. two months ago. Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you helped plant this church. How many people were on the original church planting team? Yeah, there was, I think, 12 of us committed to move full-time, and there was probably another six or eight that came up for six months. Um, so, yeah, we weren't, weren't a huge team. Definitely didn't know what we were doing, but uh, the Lord was with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally. amazing. And yeah. so um, let's get into – so you um, – kind of did a couple odd jobs in those first little, I mean, odd places, just making money yeah. to kind of fund the prayer, do the prayer room, do the church. Yeah. But then you landed with a guy, uh, Stan, is it Bullis? Stan Bullis. Yep. Okay. Unbridled. It's, yeah. And so you're part now of a business called Unbridled Wealth or you're the director of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the managing partner. Yeah. Managing partner. So, um, so guys, uh, the reason the, I, I just have great respect. I love this man, and um, we've got to know each other over the last year and a half. And so he is incredibly committed to loving God. Yes. He fears the Lord. Um, he can preach. He, can, he has an incredible prophetic gift, but he also is incredibly sharp in business. And so... Uh, and so, so what do you, uh, what do you do with it? Just talk a couple sec, a little bit about your business. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Unbridled Wealth. So there's actually a group of companies under Unbridled. There's 23 companies, uh, but my role specifically is, is running Unbridled Wealth. And so we're essentially a financial planning firm, uh, use kind of a, a unique strategy or system called the infinite banking concept. And so my role is mostly working with small business owners and families and nonprofits to, uh, do financial planning and uh, a lot of it outside of your traditional investments like 401ks and and the stock market um so somewhat alternative financial planning so first of all i'm just going to give a massive plug how do they get in contact with you your website or whatever what's the best way to do that because as we talk i promise that people are going to be intrigued by your content yeah absolutely sure yeah um so i guess probably my email would be a good one uh, jwield at unbridled.com so okay. J-W-I-E-L-D at unbridled.com and then our website's unbridledwealth.com. So okay. uh, yeah, they can connect to me there. Awesome. So um, we're going to talk about money, money, and then more money. So that's <laughs> that's the topic. And so um, often within the church, there's, I think, our our perspective is is not always correct as we enter into this topic. Right. Um, yeah. And most of us, 
I'm going to probably think, I wonder, we're not really instructed super well with, first of all, just even simple things like budgeting, but even before that, yeah. how do we view money? Right. And so that's where I want to spend a chunk of our time. And you have such a healthy perspective on money. And so that's where I want to just kind of pull some stuff out of you on this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Jonathan, I want to just ask you, finance, was that always something that you thought you'd get into? Or was this a new avenue that the Lord opened up to you? You know, it's been uh, on my radar, I'd say my entire life. And I don't think as like a profession being in financial services necessarily. Right. I've always loved numbers. I've always loved mathematics. Uh, that okay. was my was supposed to be my study before I went to ministry school. And right. so I think so. But uh, um, for me, it's usually just been about sitting down and, and helping people personally with their, their finances. But becoming a Christian was it really kind of threw a wrench in that because I went from I would say loving money and wanting to just be rich for the sake of being rich to, mm -hmm. you know, the, if that's one ditch jumping over to the other ditch of, you know, poverty is godly. And right. yeah. uh, hopefully I found myself somewhere in the middle of that today. That's where I like yeah. to think I am at least. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. I think that's, that's huge because um, just talk about and challenge the concept that poverty is equals great spirituality. Like, how yeah. do you look at that, and, and, and what does that mean? Yeah, no, so I'll tell you one of the things that I feel like I've learned around faith and, and Christianity in the kingdom is whenever you have two extreme polarizing views, there's usually a profound kingdom truth in the middle because it's to distract you away. Mm. So you've got, like, you know, the prosperity gospel over here, which has been predominantly in the Western church, and then you've got yeah. the poverty mentality. It's equally in the Western church, but elsewhere as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's, I, to me, I'm like, there's such profound truth found in the middle and it's opposed because of that. And mm -hmm. so there's this, I, I'd call it a kingdom mentality or wealth mindset. And, uh, yeah, it's, you gotta be careful not to get drawn into those, but I'd say things like the versus like the money is the root of all evil, yep. you know, it would be a, a predominant one. And when you actually read it, no, it's the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. It's just nice. these subtle tweaks to yes. try and demonize something which actually could be used for great good. Right. And so for right. me, money's a tool. Like it's, uh, I, I, <laughs> if poverty is godly, then uh, you'd have to throw out a lot of your favorite Bible heroes in your faith. Right, right. Massively. Yeah. And yeah. so, so um, because I think, um, I've actually done a little bit of thinking on this. I feel like the Desert Fathers and those, they they lacked understanding on actually their identity before God. And so living simply was seen um, as a greater level of spirituality. Or let me go even more. Poverty was, and it was that, I think that there was a misunderstanding of poverty of spirit. Right. So the, yeah. the you know, and so, but they equaled that, but the, you know, poverty equals great spirituality, but that is really strong in the church today. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, think about the phrase. Um, I, I remember having a good friend of mine saying this, like, brother, you should just live by faith. And uh -huh. if you say to somebody, are you living by faith? What, what do you, what's your connotation? I don't know if it's still the same. Like if well, I said to you, are you living by faith? I uh -huh. mean, for me, it's like living radical. I don't know where my paycheck's coming from. I don't know where money yeah. comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's the mentality, right? A, a life right. lived by faith usually means you don't know where your money's coming from. Right. Like right. God's just going to show up. So what it, to me, it spoke was, oh, so I'm not living by faith because I show up at work at 7.30 a.m. every day. And I right. stay till yeah, five totally. and I work harder than everybody else. I must not right. be living in faith. Right. Whereas I think that's a, I, I think us as believers, as ambassadors of the kingdom should be the best workers, the hardest workers, mm -hmm. most disciplined, the most diligent. And so living by faith shouldn't be anything to do with not planning or preparing or being wise. In fact, it should be right. the opposite. And right. so, yeah, I would say that mentality is massively prepped into the, into the Western church. Yeah. And I think what you just said is critical. And I think I, like young people that are listening today, I want them to hear what you just said, because it's it sounds so radical and exciting and cutting edge to live yeah. by faith, quote unquote, 
from the description you just described. And yeah. but but we we see throughout scripture a spirit of excellence when people walk in that hard work yeah. is valued by God. Um, you know, it says in Proverbs that God hates the lazy. I mean, that's yeah. an intense statement. <laughs> and so sometimes there's that fine line of, you know, wanting to break free from the cultural norm of being self-sufficient and independent and fighting for our rights and being yeah. a self-made man, like the American dream. And then wanting to to be dependent on the Lord. Yeah. And so you as a man who is skilled, intelligent, has a work ethic and Diligent. character yeah. and loves God, how yeah. how do you bring those together in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reliance on the Lord doesn't it shouldn't change whether you've got five hundred bucks in your bank or a million dollars in your bank. You know, the, our, our faith isn't in the money. And, and so that's why it's like, it's not even part of the question. Like our yeah. trust is in the Lord. Cause like, no, that could come to nothing tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. Our trust is, isn't in the money. It's in the Lord like that. Excellent. He's provided and he'll continue to provide. But what's the, that, that verse David said, like I once was a young man and now I'm old. Never in my life. I was seeing the righteous forsaken or his children beg begging for bread. Yeah. To me, it's actually a promise of sustenance from the Lord, not in yes. uh, in, in somebody giving me a paycheck, but and He's going to provide. But at the same token, unless the Lord has called you to a season of, uh, you know, receiving money in radical, miraculous ways, which I've had. Like, so when I moved to America, I was not allowed to legally work. It was right. part of my student visa. I could not work. And I remember uh, I was what, two months into school. This was 2008. I'm sure you guys remember what happened yeah. in, in 08. Yeah. So yeah. my money was in a bank account in England. So I had about 35% of my tuition disappear over, over the course of a couple of weeks because the yeah. great British pound, US dollar, that whole yeah. valuation. And so I was stuck in this position of, I, ha I don't have enough money for the year and I'm legally not allowed to work. Okay, so that's... I was living by faith for the next day. And the Lord really taught me a lot during that season of actually that was a time to so radically and just trust that he was going to provide. So I would, yeah. I was paying for people's car payments for their tuition payments in faith that God would provide in a supernatural way, which he did. Yeah. Yeah. But today I'm in a different season. I'm in right. a season where I am being faithful to what he's put in front of me and what he's called to do. And mm -hmm. I work really hard um, and I'm trying to do my business and my work with excellence. And so yeah. I'm not sitting waiting for a check in the mail, even though that was a beautiful season and I loved yeah. how the Lord provided, but that's not the season that most of us are in most of the time. Most of the time Absolutely. it's, hey, get up, set your alarm, go to work and be the best and represent our Lord well by being diligent in your job and in, in what's in front of you. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. So um, I want to talk about the one ditch poverty mentality and then the other ditch um, greed and covetousness. But what is yeah. at the what's at the root, the foundational problem that you can identify in regards to poverty thinking, poverty mentality, that coming before God with that mentality and, and even what is it to yeah to tag onto that because i think a lot of people have it and don't know they have it they yeah. think this is just the way godly people live and think and yeah. i say that because we've been confronted by the lord about yeah. how we have thought wrongly about finances and provision and so i i think a lot of people are in the same category that we've been in yeah and so yeah. maybe highlight because people need to learn how to think differently. You won't change unless you learn how to think differently. But you can't yeah. think differently if you don't know your thinking is off. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um, this is it's actually a pretty confronting statement when I speak to this mindset because, um, okay, maybe I'll tell you a story. Hopefully, she'll yeah. be okay with it. It's about when my wife and I were dating. Yeah. And I would put her in the category at the time of having a poverty mentality and she would as well. 
And so I remember this one day we were driving and it, it just come up this wrestle of business and money and that kind of thing. And she said, Hey, do you think it would be okay if a pastor had a, I forget what type of car an Aston Martin, something like that. And I said, yeah, I mean, it just depends on the situation. Like there's no, it depends on what's good for that person. And she was like, she was like, I just don't understand. Like, how would you be okay with that? Because the pastor could sell it and give the money to like feed homeless people or feed the poor. And probably wasn't the best response from a boyfriend to a girlfriend, but here's what I said to her. I said, oh, I, I totally understand. God actually doesn't have enough. He lacks. And so if that pastor takes too much, he's stealing from other people because God is not sufficient. So there's not actually enough in the world for everybody. And so if I take more than my fair share, then it means somebody is going to go without. And wow. that to That's me excellent. is the poverty mentality is God's actually not enough. God doesn't have wow. enough. He cannot, he doesn't have it in his ability to sustain us all. And it's, wow. it's very subtle, but very it, subtle. It, if you think about it, it, that really is the, the root behind it. That's good. And so how did your girlfriend at the time feel about that statement? <laughs> Jennifer, you're going to get them in a fight, man. Yeah, it was, it was actually really awesome. We, we continued driving. It didn't go well after that, but, uh, I said, Hey, let's pray. And we stopped and, uh, we prayed and she, she goes, uh, we had our eyes closed and she goes, Oh, wow. And I said, what? And she was like, I had a picture. And I said, what's the picture? She said, she, you know how in a, in a yard you have like a, a stake in the ground uh, that dog's tied to yeah. like with the chain. He was like, I saw a stake in the ground and there was a chain around my neck, but it was a really long chain. So I didn't even realize I was tied up. Wow. And I was like, that is profound. And what she realized Very. is this mentality had her in bondage, but she had enough wiggle room with it that she didn't even realize she was in bondage to it. Wow. So that was, a, that was a huge turning point. That is so, profound, very I'm, profound. I don't want to talk a ton about this, but I would say in the last three years, and I've mentioned this a little bit to you, but even more, Jennifer and I have been radically challenged on this poverty issue. Like I'm yeah. talking confronted by God. Yes. Because so, I was born in kind of a, a middle to lower income family, raised there. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, real poverty thinking in my home to being a missionary, which is exactly the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And most, you know, not necessarily, but most missionaries have extreme poverty mentality sometimes. Yeah. And God has really confronted this in me. And so one of the issues that I have found freedom is actually understanding my identity and my value before him. That yeah. has, has shifted. And so something that I would say about you, Jonathan, that I think you have an unusual revelation of your identity, i.e. then you have confidence before God. As yeah. a young man, it's something that sets you apart. Yeah. And so you have a healthy perspective on who you are and that God will give you money, i.e. equal a tool to handle because of, of who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, I, you know, I would say one of the keys to, especially people who believe that they're going to become wealthy because I think I've known for a, a long time that I was going to be a business owner and that there's a good chance I would, I would steward wealth. And, uh, I'd say one of the keys in that of a is seeking wisdom. It, it is probably one of my most regular prayers to the Lord is, would you grant me wisdom? Cause he promises he will, if we ask. Amen. And then the other thing is the fear of the Lord. Like wow. the, there's, there's a fear of the Lord that will protect you. And cause that poverty mentality as well, a lot of it has come from us seeing heroes, us seeing leaders be corrupted by money. Right. Right. It, For it, sure. hundred percent. And so it's so like, hey, I don't want to do what they did, and therefore I'm just going to avoid it, which is really yes. a sad, sad thing. And so I would just say for even any of your listeners that are like, maybe you've received words or you just had this knowing that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a business owner or I'm going to be called to steward wealth. Maybe you have wealth today. I'd say right. a key to keeping your yourself clean before the Lord when it comes to it is to fear Him. And yeah. uh, I, I recently read, I'm, I'm going to forget the reference, but... It says, come to me, little children, and I'll teach you to fear the Lord. 
And I've realized that this is something we can learn. Amen. So alongside learning how to, to create wealth, to get wealth, it's learning yeah. how to fear the Lord. And I think that that will help tremendously. That's excellent. Uh, I, I love that, that. I actually, I mean, because I, I, I would see people hear stories, big guys fall because of money, and it fed mm. my poverty mentality, yeah. without a doubt. Because I, I mean, because at the end of the day, I want to fear God. And I don't want to. I don't want things to derail my love for Him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so let's talk. So we got poverty mentality on one side of the road. Then we got greed and covetousness on the other side. Yeah. And so, what would you say to an individual, either who knows they're going to make money, or just they're they're out of work, but they love money and they they love possessions? How do you get free from that? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great question. I think it's it's probably even trickier than the the getting the poverty yes. mentality because that's kind of black and white. Right. The the prosperity gospel. I'd say say one of it is the like seeing it as this transactional thing before the Lord. Uh, you know, if you're sowing or if you're giving in order to receive monetary return from Him, mm-hmm. it's a flawed thinking. It's a flawed mentality. You know, even the, the Malachi 3 of uh, is taught that, that you're going to receive money in return. I'm like, that is investing or gambling. It is not tithing or offering. Wow. <laughs> like, wow, wow, wow it's wow. not. If you want to return on your money, go put it in an investment. Don't. That's, that's not how we're treating the Lord as this stock fund that is going to give us a return. That's um, a huge. That's a huge point because that is basically what is taught in... 25% of the churches today. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fascinating because even, even that verse in Malachi 3, it says, uh, bring your tithes. And I'm, I assume everybody knows it. It says, uh, have you robbed God? You've robbed yep. me in tithes and offerings. Bring your tithes and offering into the house that there may be food in my house. And it says, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out mm-hmm. such a blessing you cannot contain it. And so yep. that's natural. Your mindset would go there. But the word blessing isn't monetary it's an addiction an addiction uh-huh. it's good utterance your uh-huh. return just think about it can you have so much money that you can't contain it you would just use that money to build another warehouse yeah but you can have so much word or flow of thought that you can't contain it so the right. the, the promise the test is actually there'll be benediction there'll be good utterance there'll be revelation there'll be wisdom there'll be ideas there'll be his voice and so it's not this transaction with the Lord. It's so good. I, I think it's, that's a huge. I mean, these are two big points because that that Malachi three, in especially in international context, I've been that gets used all the time. All the and time. It is, yep. All the time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I keep and that's. I mean, yeah. No, you're totally fine. I mean, that's <laughs> just my opinion, right? But uh, I, this it's. I think it's a danger that creeps into the church. It's just this little leaven which will provoke people towards yes. well then i can, yep. i'm fine staying in a love of money or greed or covetousness because the bible says this and it's, it's uh-huh. just a slight twist or manipulation but i i really think it's a if you if you know you're in that struggle like either you do have money or you just really want it because you want nice things it's a battle i i think it's a battle you fight with generosity yeah. and it's a battle you fight with prayer yeah. and it's saying lord i I, I know, because often we know cognitively, right? Like, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but mm-hmm, store mm-hmm. up in heaven. So we'll, we'll be able to quote those and know those, but really you have the grip. You're like, mm-hmm. I know that I just really, I love money. And it's, yeah. a, uh-huh. it's an idol in your life. Um, you, you have to turn to the Lord. You have to go, yeah. take that before him. And so I, I'll have a rule, for example. I will never own a car that I'm not happy to let somebody else drive. I, I, if, I, if it's like a, I would, I would never have a house that I wouldn't be okay with people staying at when I'm out of town. Like, uh-huh. I think having that stuff where you're like, Lord, this isn't, you've allowed me to steward this while I'm here on the earth. It's not actually mm-hmm. mine. You don't mm-hmm. take ownership of it as if like you deserve it or you achieved it. It's not yours. Right. The Lord will allow us to steward tremendous wealth. It's incredible. He's so gracious in that. But if you have yeah. that that grip, I think it's it's saying, okay, is there a way I can be radically generous right. uh, to to give when it even when it stings, 
Um, mm-hmm. And then just saying, Lord, if this is an idol, would you remove it from me? I actually right. don't right. want it in my life if it's if it's an idol. Yeah. yeah. And, and I will. think... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he will. Yeah. I think, you know, we've all traveled a lot internationally and there's just various standards of living across the globe. And so if you try to create a, a paradigm of what's normal, quote unquote, normal, you can't, it doesn't exist because even even the, the poor in the United States typically have a television. Uh, yeah. Most apartments have a dishwasher. You know, those things that it, it's not common. I mean, it's normal. It's, it's normal, it's, but it's not common to the globe. Yeah. And so right. there, there are heart standards. There's values that I think need to be governing us that's different than only drive a car that's five years old. Or, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think we typically want to check off a list. Am I doing this based on something I can tangibly see where I feel like the Lord is, he's always looking at the heart, but yes. like, I think you hit it. it. It's stewardship. Am I taking care of what he's already given me? It's generosity. Yeah. Am I still sowing or am I so afraid to give because I don't know the God that will provide? And then the other yeah. thing I think of is, is gratefulness. I can't be yes. covetous. I, I can't have covetousness if I'm grateful for what I have. And those yeah, things really help monitor the heart, so to speak, because people are going to look at my life. And although I don't have a ton of money, well, compared to certain places, yes, I do. And and that for me is what's tripped me up in terms of allowing me to even have more because I've, yeah. I've, I've looked around the globe and go, I'm doing great. If, if we're grading on a curve, I'm doing great, yeah. but the in, inside of my heart maybe isn't. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I think that's a, a great point. I miss a Thanksgiving, like gratitude. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's huge. Like huge. it is, if because saying, being grateful for what you have is acknowledging that you, it's, it's not because you deserve it. It's not right. yours. Absolutely. And, right. Yeah. So I think pra- even practicing Thanksgiving with that and uh, making sure, cause I I've talked about this with like, I, I didn't grow up with anything really, you know, like uh-huh. my, uh, yeah, it just, my mom was in hospital most of my life. And so we didn't have a lot. Right. And my daughter, on the other hand, like is, it's just a different lifestyle that she's growing up in than I did. Right. And I've had this thought of, I don't want her to grow up with a, unhealthy view of she gets what she wants or any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the keys is making sure. So like I'll do a thankful exercise with Eleanor yeah. uh, of she, she had a sixth birthday last Saturday yeah, and she was then complaining about something that didn't, she didn't get or didn't happen on it. And so we had our sit down conversation and I was like, Eleanor, I want you to understand how amazing it is of the gifts that you got in fact, you got time with your friends and all this stuff. And so we, we do an exercise where I'm like, okay, I need five things that you're thankful for about your birthday. That's yeah. And just trying That's to so shift good. the mentality back to totally, yeah, totally. gratitude and not what, what am I complaining about or what didn't I get? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's excellent. And that you're training her in that at, at six years no, old. I mean, no, I mean, cause huge. I mean, that's it to me. That's pretty significant because you guys, I mean, Hey, those of you are listening, this is a huge point. Uh And I think, I think there's incredible wisdom in Jonathan parenting his six-year-old daughter this way. Right. Because it is a very different, I mean, I remember, I I think a story at 16 years old, you're living on your own in the UK and you're having to like pay your rent at 16. Isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, so a very different story. Very different. But yet, um, okay, I got two more points. You might have some more. Um, yeah. So our, our friends, Don and Kathy, um, they, they've, um, we were talking about money one time, and it was just fascinating to me. So they're Messianic uh, Jew, Jewish believers. So their mentality was, I actually am blessed 
to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Yeah. And and that just flush that that out for us that mentality and that I mean it's a biblical precept right. but flush it out for us. Yeah, I mean I think it's I think it's recognizing that we're stewards of whatever's in our hands and it's yeah. not ours. It's part of it is it's not a uh, can I store up or what can I get. It's a, yeah. I think actually the 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 more blessed financially we are there's a higher responsibility to give generously mm-hmm. and uh, both to protect ourselves, but it's the reason that it's given to us. So you think about a, a swamp, <laughs> no one wants to be in a swamp, but that's water running into a source and remaining there and just staying yeah. it's stagnant, yes. produces yes. disease, it smells bad, but yeah. you then have a river, one that flows out and it's generally clean. And mm-hmm. so I think for us as believers, as ambassadors of the kingdom, when the Lord gives us and blesses us with money, which he does, um, it's, it's to be a blessing. It's for it to go out. And I would say not even just money. This is with wisdom, with experience, with time, with knowledge, with understanding. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point totally. in me res- getting all this stuff if I'm not willing to give it away? And right, we're actually right. here as ambassadors to, to steward whatever flows through our hands. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I would say I have the same mentality. Like, God will bless me to be a blessing to those around me. And uh, the Lord has blessed me and I hope I am stewarding and being a blessing to others. And yep. that could be at a level of, you know, you're, you've got a little left over every month and you're living modestly. You, you're still called to be a blessing. And especially right. as your point, Jen, like in America here, you know, even a, a moderate lifestyle is very, very blessed compared to some other places in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I would just even say that the more that comes through your hands, the more we're supposed to be a blessing and look outward as well. And I think, mm-hmm. I think there's actually this principle that if you understand that the Lord will continue to give you more, not, yeah. not for yeah. your sake, yeah. uh, but it's like the, the parable of the talents, for example, yep. you know, the one that comes back, like that, that was wise, yeah. that stewarded what was in his hand, the talents, the, the Lord said, you know, you've been faithful with a little, I'll make you faithful with a lot. Here you go, have some more things that you can be in charge over. Right, right. But I, I love the mentality of, you know, it's not, we're not blessed. I was at Deuteronomy 8 says, I've given you the power to get wealth. Yes. It's not to get wealth for you to live a comfortable lifestyle. It's for you to mm-hmm. get wealth, to live a radical lifestyle of blessing and generosity. Right, yeah. right. Which is beautiful. So um, in that, so in the context, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Um, I don't know how to break up the percentage, but you know, let's say you get a thousand dollars a month, okay? Mm-hmm. And 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 so your living expenses are four hundred or four hundred dollars, or six hundred bucks. Let's say six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And so how how do you because we've got the principle of tithe, mm-hmm. and then I got to look after my needs. And then we got the principle of sowing. So this is Second Corinthians yeah. nine. So God loves a cheerful giver. That was the the introduction, and then Paul introduces us to this sowing concept. And so, how do you, as a guy that knows their identity, um, how do you actually manage the money that comes in? So you know, first let's all agree, first ten percent is the Lord. So that already hundred bucks goes out the door. Yeah. So. I've got then my bills to pay. And so this sowing concept, flush that out, because we got ties in the scriptures, then we've got offerings in the scriptures. And so flush that out. And then I've got my life, my expenses. Sure. And the Bible says to leave an inheritance for your children. Yeah. Children's, children's children, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, percentages, I, I think it depends on the, the time and the season you're in. I'll tell you what we, we, we do at Unbridled. Uh, so we follow this model for, at least for the profits of the company, this is how we do it. It's called the 20-20-60 model. And so the, the 20% comes from, so first 20% we give away of uh, every dollar in profit from the, each business to all 23 companies, we give first 20% to charity. And so that is Malachi 3, tithes and offerings. And honestly, it was this mentality of if it tithes 10%, an offering's probably 10%. So we just commit that first 20%. And so that's our way of sowing out there, living generously. Uh, the next 20%, we actually store up in retained earnings. Mm-hmm. And so this is from Genesis 41. 
So it's Joseph, you know, it's the Pharaoh has the dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And Joseph has this idea of, well, why don't you store up one fifth? So 20% in years of plenty for years of famine. So we've actually adopted that mentality. So we store up. And when I say store up, like I, for us, it's, we put them in safe, accessible investments. It's not, it's not burying it in the ground and having right. it produce nothing, but what are, what are vehicles we can use that we still have access that still give us gain. And then in, in terms of the business, the balance, the 60% goes to the shareholders. So I would say on a personal level, um, in, in your example that I've kind of adopted that mentality of, I, I want to give first and foremost, your, the tithe issue to me is not an issue. It's not right. a question. Right. It is right. a, I would call it a mandate. Uh, yeah. I think it's, so if I'm sitting down with a believer doing financial planning, it's a, Hey, I, I, if you've never done it before, maybe, maybe it's even we ease you into it, but man, there's the 10%, the tithe given to Lord. It's, mm-hmm. Hey, I realize that this isn't mine. I'm just giving you 10% back. Thank you for yeah. allowing me to steward 90%. Yes. Um, yes. That's, that is a given, but I, Absolutely. I also encourage people to go above and beyond personally. So mm-hmm. if you tie 10% to your local church where you're fed, so there's mm-hmm. food in the house, as Malachi 3 says, mm-hmm. and then give on top of that. Give to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, local charities that you believe in. Give to missionaries that you want to support. I, I try not to mix those two. I don't yeah. give my tithe to missionaries. I give my yeah. offering to missionaries and my tithe to the church. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, based on your budget, I, I think it's a great practice if you can get to a point where 20% then goes towards long-term investments uh goes into your financial planning to your future that kind of thing right. and then 60 percent for living and expenses and rent mortgage all those kind of things that mm-hmm. would be kind of an an ideal scenario and yeah. every season's a little bit different and so we just we have to work with where we're at today no i think that's awesome um years ago Dwayne and i were in this um money management bible study thing and the guy yeah. leading it said, if you're in debt, you shouldn't give because the Lord loves a cheerful giver and you can't be cheerful <laughs> to give when you're in debt. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? <laughs> Remember that? Yes. It was like shocking to me. And so yeah. if you're in debt, give. That that doesn't go away. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you yeah, still Jim, give. I- that story I told you at the start in, in 2008, it was a, I, it was cause I heard this message of like, give, but give specifically. So Dwayne, to your point about sowing seed, mm-hmm. I sow specific seed in specific soil or yeah. specific, okay. specific fruit. Yeah. So I, I've even had times where like, um, okay, I needed a car and I couldn't afford a car. Yeah. I, I didn't have the money for it. And so I found somebody else who, uh, needed a car as well. And I gave them some money towards buying a car. Like I'll even so very strategically, yep. specifically in faith uh, that the Lord's going to provide. Yeah. And uh, so I remember when I was in school in 2008, it was a, I did not have enough money for tuition for the whole year. I literally didn't have enough money in my bank. And I was like, Lord, am I like, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be here. I don't want to leave and go home early. And I felt like him prompted me to, to sow seeds of faith in that time. Yeah. So there's, I, there's a verse in Genesis, I want to say 10 or 11, that says uh, Isaac uh, in a time of famine sowed and in that year reaped a hundredfold. Because yeah. you don't generally sow in a famine, right? If there's right. no right. rain in right. dry land. And so there's right. a kingdom mindset that actually, no, if you're in debt, I would give. I, like yeah. I really would. And it's, it's counterintuitive, but it's kingdom. Like yeah. you're sowing in faith that God will be your provider and he'll yeah. sustain you. Not that, and because otherwise you're you're going to get into the mindset of I'll, I'll give when I have enough money to give. Yeah. You won't. It's, yeah. it's just not going to happen. It's exactly. so true. And, Correct. And I, I have radical stories of in, in that time when I remember I didn't have enough tuition. So I paid uh, a tithe of somebody else's tuition. Um, I didn't have enough for the year. I literally had somebody walk up to me and say, Hey, what's your name? And I was like, Jonathan. And he's like, and your last name? I'm like, 
wheeled and he pulls out a checkbook and he's like, how do you spell that? I've never seen the guy, met the guy, never saw him after that. Wow. And he just started writing a check. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, the Lord told me to give to you. And he wrote a check and handed it to me. And I was like, I love that. I, I don't know if you've ever had that happen before, but I certainly haven't. But it was, well, I mean, a, we've had a little bit of that, but yeah, no, but it's, a, I mean, it's like shocks you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, yeah, wild. Yeah. And God loves but, to use the family to bless the family. Yeah. There's something beautiful in that. That's awesome. Yeah. So just uh, last question. Talk about, um, even from a biblical perspective, this idea of actually living and managing your life to bless your children and your grandchildren. Just flush that out for us. Because yeah. we, we don't, it, we don't, you know, we don't typically think this way. Or yeah. maybe it's just you and I. Yeah. Maybe we're no, the I, ones that are off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I would say that's very common too. Uh, you know, Chris Fallison at Bethel has actually provoked me a lot around this mindset. Uh, but I like for me now, I'm trying to live in such a way where I'm thinking about, I want to be a blessing for people I'm never going to meet my great, 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 yeah. great grandchildren. Yes. And, uh, so you, you mentioned that verse in Proverbs, Jen, that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, for his grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. And so I think having that is, it really takes the focus of you and what it, yeah. it's going to look like for you. If you have a mentality of, I actually want to set up things in place for generations to come. But it yeah. also takes it away from just the immediate dollar in front of you. Yeah, that's good. You're not going to go bury a dollar today in a safe that you're going to leave for your great-grandchildren. probably won't be worth anything. Mm -hmm. But there is a legacy that you can leave around uh, being strategic in wisdom um, and just setting up uh, mentalities in place. So for cool. me, I'm like, I want to raise up my kids in such a way that they're going to raise up their kids in such a way that it's going to bless yes. my great grandchildren. Yes. And so when, when if I, I'm for me personally, obviously in my career, my job, I'm doing financial planning. I, I want to think about legacy. Like I yeah. want to think about setting up systems that's going to bless your grandchildren, uh, not just bless you. And yeah. again, there's, there's times and seasons, right. Of like when we think about different things, sometimes it's a, uh, you got to get our personal finances in order today. But then there's like, okay, how can I start establishing things for the sake of those who are coming after me? Yeah. And I think it does something really beautiful in your heart when you're like, okay, Lord, I want to be a blessing to my great grandchildren that maybe I'll, they, they won't really know me, but they'll read about me. And how right. can I, uh, and so that could be in, in financial education. It could be in, in literal finances. And to me today, you know, if you've got gr grandchildren, it's a, now's a great time to start sewing into them, uh, yeah. blessing them, teaching them, giving them your wisdom, imparting them stuff so they don't have to make the same mistakes that you did. Yeah, and if absolutely. it's just kids, then start focusing on raising up your kids. Yeah. But just having that mindset of thinking, okay, past me, past my immediate needs and family, how can I be a blessing for generations to come? Oh, yeah, that's, huge, that's excellent. No, it's just, um, uh, we can kind of wrap things up. Just, I want to just share a testimony. So, my home, I was raised to um, work ethic was the most important. Like, and so you don't really worry about how much you're getting and how much you're making. It's more work ethic. That was the priority in my home. Yeah. And so my parents were farmers. That's where they came from. So hard work. So, you know, Jennifer and I have been talking about this, you know, and then also in our, with our kids. And so telling them not to make the mistakes we've made. Yeah. And so I'm talking yeah. about, and so uh, just as a, a bunny trail, FYI, Robert Morris's book, um, the blessed life, there's blessed life. incredible, great yeah, there's yeah. great stuff in there. And so if you're one to grow in it, I highly recommend that book, but our son, Elijah is, um, that boy got a fat check yesterday. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> He's 17 years old. And so I, you know, we've been talking about just, money and making money and all of these things and so uh you know when we had the pandemic in in december he, he got furloughed he was working at at a, a steakhouse kind of middle of the road steakhouse and so when we went back to going in person he says dad i, I want to make more money and so in my home growing up that would not have been something to aim for like 
I just yeah. wouldn't have made a change. And so, but with him, he goes, no, I want to make more money. And so he started finding high-end uh, high steakhouses, got a phenomenal job. The interview was an hour and a half long. That boy, this, these last two weeks, made 30 bucks an hour. At awesome. 17 years old. And so I'm just super impressed. More than you, bud. I'm super impressed with him in this. You know what I mean? And so he's, and I'm trying to teach him, no, go after money. And now how are you going to handle it? In the past, I would not have gone after money. And so I just, I think that it's your, how you look at money and how you manage it is fundamental to how you're going to even live. It's, it's yeah. just, it's huge. Yeah. Sorry. And that was a little bit of a bunny trail, but it's just, for me, it's a healthy perspective and that's what you carry. Yeah. Like, um, and so you do, do you do something on YouTube? Uh, I, I do webinars about once every two weeks on just different topics okay. around money. Okay. Um, so we, we put some of those out on YouTube, but mostly it's live, live webinars. So they can get that on, on uh, unbridledwealth.com? They can get all yeah, the information? Yeah, go to unbridledwealth.com and reach us okay. or email us at admin at unbridledwealth.com and we'll, we'll just add you to the list. Um, yeah, we'll do, we do webinars. We've got one coming up on Wednesday for small business owners. Um, okay. we'll awesome. have, each month will be a different topic. Okay, so I think you, you that phrase financial education, I think every, you know, I did not have enough education financially in my home. And so it's not usually taught a lot. And so, guys, I would encourage you to go to unbridledwealth.com um, and get on their mailing list because they'll send out um, emails about the webinars that are coming up. You can jump on those. Because to me, education in this is massive. And so I truly believe there's a shift coming. The scripture teaches very clearly that the wealth of the wicked, it's going to be transferred. But I don't think it's going to be transferred to people who don't know how to handle it. Right. And this yeah. mentality. And so it's huge to me, man. Jennifer, any parting words? Um, I love your hat. Yeah, that's not it. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, hey uh, Jonathan, I, <laughs> I really appreciate you jumping on with us, taking Absolutely. time. I know you're extremely busy. But also just I think that there were some really healthy important things that we discussed here to help give you proper perspective and entering into how you manage your money. Um, anything, anything you want to share that we missed Jonathan? No, I think that's great. I mean, this is a, it's a, a topic close to my heart so I could talk about it for hours. Um, <laughs> so thank you for inviting me on. I'd love oh, to have a, another conversation down the road. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'd just say to any of your, your listeners, that if this is something that you're excited about and passionate about, read, study, go after wisdom yeah. in it. You know, Amen. money is going to impact your life and everybody's life around you. So it's something that I don't think we should shy away from as believers, yeah. but seek wisdom, seek understanding. Excellent. Excellent. Amen. Good. All right, guys. Well, ciao, ciao. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. And uh, that's God bless. it. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> see ya. Thanks, guys. 